look who's joined us, Mr. Frank Warren. How are you, sir? You good? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Very well indeed. You're looking well. And obviously, you've just heard uh, Dana speaking there uh, uh, on the world of boxing. We spoke to him actually recently uh, for your podcast, and you spent quite a lot of time talking to him about the pros and cons of boxing and the UFC. What do you make of his take on the current state of this week's science? Well, I think we're in a what statement? We're running shows under very difficult conditions, but we're running shows. We're doing no different than he's doing, both me and other promoters. Um, I don't know what's going on in the States, but I think the shows that we've delivered, and even our opposition, Matram, what they've delivered, I think have been good for the public. So I don't, you know, I can't, I can only say what we've been doing has been quite well received. We've had good ratings uh, for our shows, according to the the rating system I don't trust, but we had um, <laughs> we had good ratings according to them, and uh, no, I'm pleased. And we got some fighters in great positions, and we got some really big fights coming up. You've been vocal, obviously, during the lockdown about promoters coming together, working together in order to to make the fights that the fans want to see. Is that maybe what Dana's getting at there? Because, uh, as you know, it's, it's a very different business model. UFC, he's one single, one song. It's a lot more people to obviously negotiate with in the world of boxing, which kind of makes it a little bit more difficult to make the best fights all the time. Well, he's very lucky, Dana, because he does it his way, and that's the only way. You know, there are, he's not dealing with governing bodies. There aren't, there aren't options like you've got in boxing. You know, if you don't want to fight for one governing body, you can fight for another. If you don't want to fight for one promoter, you can fight for another promoter. So the fighters have options. Um, it's a totally different, they're different sports anyway. I mean, totally different sports, obviously and uh, different disciplines. But um, as far as, uh, you know, um, I don't know, I just think, you know, boxing has, boxing will has and has always been the most popular contact sport. And it always will be. The biggest fight always captures the public imagination. It always does. And it even took for the biggest ever UFC fighters involvement to fight a boxer. And Conor McGregor actually fought a boxer and got beat by, um, as we all know, by um, Mayweather. So for me, boxing is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll make no secret, you know, boxing is a sport I love and been involved in from a very young age. So for me, it's the, it's the best sport. Of course, there's lots of problems going in, in boxing, Box, but there's problems going in, in all businesses, all walks of life. That's called competition. Mm-hmm. The fact that um, you have competition is what in some ways makes it healthy because if it was a monopoly, then there may be a problem. And the ones who would suffer, or the two, two groups of people who suffer, are the fighters and the public. Has the pandemic actually made people like yourself in the world of promoting just take stock and, and kind of assess those problems even more and therefore maybe speed up the process of trying to bring people together to, in order to make those super fights that all the fans are after, as once obviously the pandemic's gone, that we can do that in 2021? Well, I, I like a lot of people had a lot of time on my hands. So I was looking at fights, fantasy fights I'd like to make, you know, involving British fighters. And so I drew up a list, as you know, we put it out there, our mm-hmm. fighters, we, the other side's fighters. And uh, we, I've got, we, I reached out, made a call, we got a call back, and I think it was last week on TalkSport. Um, Eddie Hearn said he, we're going out for lunch at the end of the month, um, which is... I still don't know where that is or when that is, but anyway, that's what he said. And obviously, I'm not some old bird who's sitting here, you know, desperate for a, to meet a bloke, that's for sure. So, but, you know, if we can get together, we'll get together and do what we got to do. Um, and I want to make these fights, and there are a lot of fights. He made an offer to us the other week for another one of our fighters, and he just sent a message back quite simply, yep, very interested in that fight. Let's sit down and discuss it, as we've asked you to do. Because it's not just that fight, there's a few fights. Maybe he'll do some of them, we'll do some of them. We may do something together. Who knows how it'll work out? But the fact of the matter is there's some good fights to be made. But you know what? If they're not made, it ain't the end of the world because we still deliver like we've been delivering. And our shows, as you well know on BT, they've been the highest rated shows. So what more can you do? You can only do that. And they weren't going free to air. They were going to the subscribers. No, they have been good. And we've got some other crackers coming up as well. Obviously, Joe Taylor in action this weekend. We know Liam Williams is back over the next month. Uh, The big one that I want to talk to you about, though, is obviously Joyce uh, Dubois. What is the latest standing with that fight? Well, we've we've been told now that we're not going to be able to get any any, uh, 
we can't go on a 24th. We've been told that by the O2. So we're looking at another date, but we're going to make a decision this week as to what we are actually going to do. Because we can't just keep, you know, postponing it on whatever people have bought tickets. They're sitting in the box office at the O2 or the various ticket agencies, and they need to know what's going on, as do the two guys. So we're looking at it at the moment. I feel that the fight will go on before the end of the year. Excellent stuff. Does that, is it totally regarding whether you can get people into the O2 or not? Will it happen regardless behind closed doors? That's going to be a big call and a big decision that everybody's going to have to make. You know, that means the boxers, ourselves, sitting around a table and working that one out because obviously without a gate, the uh, revenue is dramatically different. Yeah. On the big man, on Tyson um, and the Wilder trilogy. We've heard Bob over in the States talking about the possibility of that still going ahead in December because they're looking at the Allegiant Stadium, uh, the big new NFL stadium in Las Vegas. What's the latest with that, Frank? Um, well, at the moment, there's no date set or anything set. Nothing's, nothing's set, actually set, as they say, in stone. At the moment, we're all working towards trying to get the fight, and there's been an interest from another territory, and there are discussions going on, and hopefully we'll have some news soon because uh, December the 19th in boxing uh, parlance is looming, so we need to get the guys out in training and, and obviously get the thing set up. You just mentioned a moment or two ago about the uh, maybe a possibility of another territory for the... Uh... Fury Wilder fight. Any clues? It's somewhere in the world. <laughs> Will I need my sun cream? Depends what time of year you go. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, excellent, excellent stuff. Frank, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And you, mate. See you soon. <laughs> Bye, Adam. But Ben's just been giving me a little bit of insight to them mm. camps that you had uh, in Vegas. You guys... Obviously formed a little bit of a bond out there, had some good times. He's a little bit surprised that he hasn't been invited into one of your uh, social media videos, aren't you, Ben? You know what I mean? You, you were expecting the call, maybe, I don't know, maybe to play Danny Zuko or something. <laughs> yeah, I did, but, I, did send, uh, I, did, I sent the request through, but he didn't, I, he didn't uh, reply. The fee wasn't high enough. It was a low ball offer. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you've got to talk about those videos, mate, because they absolutely caught fire. Um, talk to me about how it all started. Is it your idea? Have you got somebody in the family that was helping you out? Because some of the ideas were unbelievable. Yeah, I so I'm saying the, the cam my cameraman who was in my bubble, we decided he would be in my bubble and he helped with the, the um, groceries and he helped with family stuff that we needed. And he actually is the man behind the camera, the man that does all the editing and the man behind the ideas. Uh, listen, some of those movies that I've done, I haven't even seen. And so the first one was The Love, the love Actually. You know, Love Actually because... Uh, we could, we wanted to show everyone that even though you're stuck at home, you can have fun. You know, yeah. dancing around uh, with the family, uh, spa pool, and all of that. You know, to lift spirits because everyone else is doing serious messages. And then from there, I think the feedback and the reactions made us continue to do more and more. And then like now, I think I'm not going to stop until I get an acting role somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> can you guys help me with a contract, mate? Ben, you need to sort him out. Get him into Hollywood. Part. You can we'll take your if you give me a, if you give me a deal. We'll try, but I think you need to reveal this man that gave you the ideas. His name is Kerry Russell, and he he is the magician. I call him the magician because just because he's, you know, he's done the Step Brothers one, and the, you know, the one in the car, yeah, uh, Back to the Future, which I haven't seen any of these movies. I think I think I've only seen. Well, wait a minute! Wait a minute! You've not seen Back to the Future or Step Brothers? It's on my list. I am going to watch it. I am going to watch it. And the Step Brothers, I will watch it. You've never watched Step Brothers. I think I've seen maybe a little bit of it, but I can't. I can't really recall. Maybe I've been punching the head to me. <laughs> <laughs> the um, the anchor uh, anchorman one is the one for me, mate. You must have seen that because the timing on the song, the way that you've managed to time it with all the little nuances from Will Ferrell and the rest of the gang, is absolutely outstanding. I'll tell you that was probably the easiest one we did. Yeah, um, I was so happy that I had like I looked, walked into my room. I was like, oh, I got the wardrobe. And then I, you know, the, the, the thing that we did in that one was like, I did the one with the goatee, then I shaved here and then I shaved clean shaven. And yet, like, he had to, you know, the guy, Kerry Russell, just the magician behind the, the camera. So credit to him. What did, what was the kids' reaction? Because they've starred in some of these. So you've had your kids in there, the missus is in there as well. Talk to, talk to me about them getting involved in this as well, man, because some of their acting is absolutely right up there. I think it's a family thing. You could do, you could do some type of family movie. Uh, I think, yeah, like I said, 
once you give me the contract, I will give you your share, your percentage, <laughs> and then we'll go from there. But the family enjoyed it because there was nothing else to do. I was like, hey, kids, do you want to be in daddy's video? And they were like, no, no, no. Okay, I'll give you a little treat later, a little chocolate. And they're like, okay, okay, daddy. And then the message is just like, she had enough of seeing me do all this stuff. She was like, okay, whatever, I'll just join in. So I was like, this is the best family time I've ever had. <laughs> Brilliant. Listen, Ben, you're slacking, son. You've got to up that social media game, pal. You need to get yourself a little video editor. Get to... Yeah, Ben, I'll get you into the next one if you want. <laughs> I, got, I think it's. I'll think of the role for you, a specific role of the bad man. <laughs> we'll work it out. We'll work it out. But no okay. more lowball offers. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Josh, how you doing? Danny, what's going on, you alright? Yeah, I'm good mate, you? Not too bad, thank you, not bad man, not bad. Uh, back in the ring, October the 4th, I spoke to yep. your opponent this morning, Marco Kalic. Okay. He's in good spirits. He says he remembers you from the 2015 Europeans where you won a bronze in Samkov. Really? I'm guessing by the look on your face you probably don't remember him. I don't, but I think that's because that's primarily my team box in the heavyweight division. Um, and obviously, being in a tournament, you're only looking at people that are in the same weight category as you. Um, but that's mad, yeah, I, I don't remember him at all. I know that he's been on the scene um, for many, many years, well before I got there. So um, that's about all I know about him, to be fair. He's coming here with his own ambitions. He's an unbeaten fighter. So far on the way up, you've kind of fought a mix of contenders and people who are maybe a bit older, a bit later in their career, but have um, had more fights, more experience. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer fighting people who are as ambitious as you are, or do you prefer fighting the guys with the experience and you can learn from that? Um, I think it's a bit of both. You want someone with experience so you can learn from. Um, you want someone who's young and ambitious, and I think he's a good balance of both. He's boxed, um, he's been an amateur, like we've said, for years. They didn't go to the Olympic Games, but I believe he's been to the Worlds. He's been he's boxing the World Series, boxing. Um, so he's got the experience there and he's only, how old is he? Is he 30 or 28, 29? He's older than that, I think. 30, I'd have to check. 31 maybe, something like that. Okay, cool. But young, young guy, do you know what I mean? He, he's um, well experienced and he's young. And like you said this morning, he sounded ambitious and in good spirit. So um, that's good for me, man. Wherever it is that's presented, is for me to deal with um, on October the 4th. So I'll be good to go. You're obviously on your own path. You're very focused on where you want to get to. We saw over the summer, um, Frank Warren proposed a number of co-promotional fights to Eddie Hearn, your promoter. And one of them was you and Anthony Yard, which seemed to capture the public imagination more than any other. Now, while that might not be in your immediate plans, was it encouraging to you the public reaction to that fight? Um, Dan, I think you're the third person that said that to me, um, that, you know, with all the matchups, this was the one that everyone was like, yeah, we really want to see this one. So um, that's good to hear, man. But as you know, my immediate goals, my all, everything that I'm thinking about right now is October the 4th. Um, I'm not looking past Calico at all. He's a good fighter. Um, and that's really it. It's, it's hard for me to say much about people wanting to see myself in a yard fight. As always, as a fighter, it's good to hear that there's an interest in people wanting you to fight someone. But for me, that's as far as it goes. I haven't been told I'm boxing him, so it's not at the forefront of my thoughts. Do you know what I mean? Without meaning to dwell on it for too long, when you see big domestic clashes in the past, like Eubank Ben, Frotch Groves, things like that, does that get your, your juices flowing for a big domestic rival of your own, whether it's him or someone else? Yeah, no, it does. To watch other fighters get into stuff like that, you're like, imagine... The nation's been waiting for this fight. Now they're in the ring, they're about to fight. I've been to a few grudge matches and I'm thinking, imagine being the actual fighters. So I think from that perspective, it's quite interesting that I could I could potentially be in one. And like I say, man, if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world, but it's something that I want, I want to happen. I'm assuming Yard wants to happen and the public wants it to happen. So um, as always, Dan, it's always good that there's interest in it. You've got a very high IBF world ranking. We know Artur Baturbiev has that belt plus one of the others at the moment. How far away do you feel you are now from challenging at top world level? 
Um, so this morning I was talk, I was talking to that about someone else, and I said, had I have had let's say the two to three fights this year, sometime the middle of next year would have been ideal for me. Um, but now there's a whole delay, so I think I haven't even thought about that right now. Right now, all I want to do is box. I want to fight. So October the fourth is the first time I'll be getting out for the year, um, and for the first time that I'll be boxing over a year. So. That's mainly my. That's all I'm thinking about right now. Get this one out of the way. See if I can get one more, one more in by the end of the year, and then we we'll see what's next. A lot of your fights so far as a pro have been in front of big crowds, big events. Obviously, Sky Sports. You still got the Sky Sports this time, but no crowd. How do you think you'll react to that? I'm indifferent, man. Um, it's still somebody that you said is ambitious, in good spirits. He's gonna come. He's gonna try and win. Um, so that that's I'm indifferent. I'm I'm there to win. Um, there won't be a crowd, fair enough. But the, I know that people watching, and most importantly, somebody's gonna try to take my head off. So it, for for me, it makes no difference. How much of a relief is it to be back in the ring? Obviously, you've been training for a while. You've been sparring, but this is competitive action. You must be relieved because lockdown was a long, long time. Yeah, man, it was a long period. But you know what, Dan? I think, and I've always said this that. Some people dealt with it better than others did. So I was fortunate enough to be one of the guys that, you know, it was straightforward for me. Um, like you said, I was ticking over a lot. And um, now I've got an actual date. So it, like now I know that the finishing line is almost there. Um, it's changed a lot of times this date, but now that we've got this one locked in, I know it's happening. So I'm in good spirits, man. Is this the longest the beard's ever been? Um, I think, you know what, I had a cut. When lockdown was apparently over, I had a cut. And then um, I think since then, this is probably the longest. It's, it's, I'm trying to keep it neat then, but it's, <laughs> it's not working out, man. It's a shame it's not Christmas time. That's all I can say. <laughs> all right, mate. Well, I really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you out on October the 4th. Appreciate that, Dan. Thank you very much, man. All the best. Take care, Josh. Bye. Take care. Cool. out delighted to be joined by Hannah Rankin obviously we heard the news yesterday that you're going to be fighting for the vacant WBO world middleweight title um promotional stablemate of yours Clarissa Shields has obviously given that belt up yeah and of her enable <laughs> you to fight her old friend Savannah Marshall for it I guess that's a bit of a subplot involved in the fight how long have you known about it and how excited are you about this fight I'm absolutely buzzing about this fight. Um, it's like, this is my chance to become a two-weight, two-time world champion, and I'm relishing it. I can't wait to get in there. Um, to be honest, when I got offered the fight with Savannah in February, I said, because I had a fight in February, and I said yes to that fight then, and then they decided to go down the light heavyweight route. And then we went into lockdown, and a thing happened there, and I thought that fight's going to come back again, because obviously we can't have opponents just flying in from all over the place, you know? So... I was waiting and I've been preparing for it. And yeah, when the call came through the second, the third time now, um, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for this one and uh, want to go. So, yeah. You mentioned that she was going down the light heavyweight route at fight with Giovanna Perez, obviously called off after the pandemic and the travel restrictions. Yeah. She's more used to fighting around super middle, but you're a middleweight. You've been a middleweight for a while now. Well, what? I normally campaign at Super Welter. But um, the last fight was at middleweight because it was coming back after the Christmas, so it was put into middleweight. But Super Welter is my true weight, so I'm going to step up to middle for this one. Okay, I'll stand corrected. <laughs> Got to do my research a bit better. Um, but yeah, so you're stepping up to middleweight and she's coming down from super middle. Who do yeah. you think has the advantage here? It may be difficult for her to make the weight. Well, she's never actually made middleweight as a professional, so... Um, I don't think she's been any anywhere near the 72 limit. She's been closer up to super middle most of the time. So um, it's going to be interesting for her. I've obviously campaigned at middleweight before when I fought Clarissa for the Unified Middleweight Championship. So I know what my body feels like at middleweight. and I know how I'm going to make the weight and where I'm going to be. So 
I think I've got the advantage in this one. Yes, she's coming down, so she's going to be bigger than me. But, you know, I have the advantage because I know how I feel at the weight and how strong I am at middleweight. And as a pro, you fought by far the superior opposition as well, which has to be an advantage. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm getting in there with a fantastic resume. Um, and I've been in with so many different types of fighters. Also, I've been a former world champion, so I'm getting there full of confidence and I'm ready to go in there and showcase what I can do. And as we said, you and Clarissa share um, team members. You've sparred her since you fought her as well, I believe. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. guessing myself now. Um, <laughs> has she spoken to you about this fight? Have you spoken to her about taking it and what, what's going on? Yeah, we had a little chat the other day about it. Uh, we, we stay in touch regularly, you know. Um, obviously, I would have been over in America had there not been the COVID situation. And um, uh, I would have seen her a lot earlier than this. But, yeah, no, we were chatting about it and she's buzzing for me. Really excited for me to go and take the opportunity. No doubts in her mind that I win this fight. So, yeah, really excited. Does she not uh, have mixed emotions, though? Because if you do win this fight, as she's confident of you doing, that's a potential big fight for her out the window. Yeah, but as it stands, you know, like boxing's one of those, like, it's like Quicksilver. Things change left, right and centre all the time. So you can't be banking on a fight that's three fights down the line. Like, you just, you can't think of it like that. You have to be here and now in the moment. So what's happening now is I'm fighting for the WBO middleweight world title against Savannah. I'm going to become champion. And then, you know, we'll have to see what happens then after that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting with, when it comes to boxing. You, know, you can't plan that far ahead, for sure. And, and Savannah's been offered the fight with Clarissa two or three times now. So, you know, that opportunity has been there for her and they haven't taken it. Are you surprised that they've taken such a big risk? I mean, Savannah's been out of the ring for a long time, as most people have. She's gearing up, hoping for this um, fight with Clarissa Shields, whether it happens or not. But you're more than just a potential banana skin. You're, you're a proven world-level performer. Yeah, I am surprised they've taken the fight, to be perfectly honest. I mean, they could have waited for the COVID restrictions to be lifted. She could have fought Perez and won the light heavyweight, maybe. Um, so I am very surprised at that. But, uh, you know, like I said, if Eddie wants to get her out, there's not really any other option for her to fight in the UK. So it's me or no one. And um, so, yeah, good on them for taking the fight. It's, it's their loss, but good on them for taking it. <laughs> What do you make for the limited amount we've got to see of her as a pro so far? What do you identify as her strengths and her weaknesses so far? Obviously, um, the opponent she's had, we haven't really had a chance to see like really what she's made of. She's not really been tested in the ring, to be honest. Um, so, you know, we don't really know what it's going to be like for her when she goes deep into championship waters for a title fight. You know, making 72 for the first time, all of those sort of things. So you can't really judge anything of what she's done so far. Um, obviously, she's got that amateur pedigree and everything that comes with that. But apart from that, you know, this is the professional game. So it's a completely different sort of situation. So we'll see how we go. Um, I know how I'm going to act and it will just be up to her on the night. Some of your big fights have been out in the States, of course. You've probably got a higher profile over there than you have here so far. How important is this for your career? That it's a big UK fight live on Sky Sports as well. Apart from it being a world title fight, just from a profile perspective, it seems like it's a huge one. Oh, absolutely. I think every fighter wants to fight on a matchroom card. It's a great situation to be fighting on a matchroom card. And on Sky Sports, you know, Sky Sports allows it to be broadcast to so many people before. So the last time I did that, I was fighting Carissa um, and that was in the States. But yeah, I've got a big following over there, big following in Scotland. So just going to bring the back of the rest of the UK behind me as well. So it's a chance to really showcase what I can do uh, here on home shores. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. And kind of standard question we ask to everyone at the moment is how do you feel about fighting behind closed doors with no crowd in attendance? For me, it's uh, no problem whatsoever. I'm not really even I'm not even really thought about it, to be honest. Like, you know, when you, you start out, you start out on shows when, you know, you have your debut and obviously you've got loads of people there. And sometimes there's like, there's not that big a crowd. I've been in massive auditoriums. I've been in small ones. Um, so like super busy, not so super busy. So yeah, for me, it, it makes no difference. And like, I've had loads of experience, obviously from my music background of playing to various crowd sizes, playing to no one, doing all that sort of stuff. So yeah, for me, it makes absolutely no difference. Do you think it's a disadvantage to her? Because obviously the card was set for the Northeast on October the 17th. And presumably she would have had the backing of the majority of the crowd. I'm assuming she would, she should have had a lot of fans there if it was going to be in her home part of the town. But obviously it's behind closed doors. She's not going to have that the backing. And 
who knows how she's going to react when there's no none of that sort of crowd there to give you that extra buzz. So, you know, I think it's definitely an advantage for me because I'm not bothered wherever it is, you know, so it doesn't matter. And if you come through this, you win a big four world title, would that convince you to stay at 160 even if it's not your natural weight? I think when I win this title, there'll be loads of options that become available for me. Um, but for me, I'm a flexible fighter. And as I showcase throughout my whole career, so I'll, t I'll go wherever the big opportunities are. Um, but yeah, first of all, first things first is winning the WBO Window 8 world title. And I can't wait to do it. Do you ever feel like your career has kind of been in reverse, that you've been chucked in at the deep end quite early on and now you've matured as a fighter, you're at a certain level. It kind of starts here. Yeah, it's funny because um, you say you say, say that, actually. I was talking to um, my coach, Noel Callan, and Gary Jacobs, who's also going to be in my corner as well. And um, we were talking about this. You know, I had I won my world title, won the IBO, and then I lost the IBO. And then I had that great fight in February where I had a fantastic performance, stoppage in the third round. And that's when, like, Gary was like, that's your apprenticeship sort of over. And this is, like, me now ready to go make and make a statement on the world stage, you know? And I really feel that. I feel that this is my time to showcase. I've, I've done all my learning now in those first 13 fights. And now this is my chance to showcase what I've done. So in a way, yeah, I suppose it is a little bit back to front, but I wouldn't change it for anything. I've learned so much from it. Tell us a little bit about the um, addition of Gary Jacobs to the camp. Obviously, former European champion, British champion, challenge for the world title, unfortunately, against one of the best fighters of the modern era. What, what's he brought to the team? Oh, I'm a massive fan of Gary. I've always loved watching his fights. And um, him and Noel work really well together in the corner. And having someone that's been in those sort of high-level situations, fighting for those world titles, having actually been there, it's invaluable to have that person in your corner just at that right moment to say that little thing that, you, that they've noticed that you might not have seen. And it's always good to have that sort of support from him. And, you know, me and him get on really, really well. And I love working with him. So whenever I go home to Scotland and Noel can't come, I work with Gary. So we've got a strong relationship there. And he's always saying he sees a, a, quite a bit of him in me. So it's great. That's to have quite that. a compliment. Yeah, it's a fantastic compliment. And one that absolutely bowled me over when he first said that. But yeah, I'm so proud to have him as part of the team. And it just makes me have a really solid team. Him, Noel and Richard Farnham, my cut man, who's been with me right from the very beginning. So I've always been about it being about me and my team. And it's a solid team. So I feel good. Great stuff. And just before I let you go, there might be a few remaining people out there who aren't aware of you and your profile so far. So just tell people how they can find you on various social media platforms. Fantastic. So on all my social media platforms, it's, everything's under team underscore ranking. I made it simple for everybody. So it's the same for Twitter, for Instagram. <laughs> and it's just Hannah Rankin, professional boxer on Facebook as well. Great stuff. Well, I wish you the very best of luck for October 17th. And I look forward to the fight. I think it's probably the best fight on the show. Thanks very much, Danny. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. This is Andy Puroa for Boxing Social in association with Betfred and I'm delighted to be joined by promoter Frank Warren over Zoom. Frank, first and foremost, how have you been keeping? I'm doing well. How about you, young man? I'm, I'm very good, thank you. I'm very good. Um, it's good to catch up, Frank. It's been a few weeks. Uh, we missed you at the Yard, uh, Yard versus Falman press conference. How's life been treating you? What have you been up to, obviously, aside from that fight night? Uh, what have I been doing? Just try, We've just been working hard, trying to make more more shows, make more fights, and that's really where we're at. And uh, we'll be announcing, I think, another four or five dates this week. We'll obviously come back to that fight night and just start off there as we haven't had a chance to speak. Anthony Yard with a, a stoppage victory against Expelman, the first man to stop him. What did you make of his performance? I thought he did well. You know, he's had that, I mean, in what is it, uh, a year or just over a year since he had his fight with Kovalev. Um, he had time out. He had some terrible, terrible losses to his family, losing his uh, grandmother and his dad. Um, he obviously had that little run out in 
in Spain, but that was a nothing fight. It was a tough fight you know, to come back for him. Um, I thought he'd done it extremely well. I thought he got the rust out of his system. It took him a while to get into it. <clears throat> took him a couple of rounds to get in his stride, but he, he just, you know, works, works on deck. Deck's a you know, very brave fighter, comes to fight, and he just basically broke him down and took him apart over the rounds. Just kept stepping up a gear, and I thought he'd done a great job. Obviously, Anthony's victory steps step up that the chances of us seeing the Lyndon Arthur fight certainly seems to be that's what's next. When can we expect us to hear or see anything about that in terms of an announcement? We're going to make an announcement at the end of the week, as I said, for the few forthcoming fights, and that'll probably be one of them. Um, just want to quickly touch on something with that fight as well, um, Frank. With Anthony's victory on the back of it, Deck was given a 45 day medical suspension. Uh, Dylan White was only given a 28-day medical suspension on the back of his what was a heavy knockout uh, defeat to Alexander Povetkin. Just what do you make of that? Well, I, I've got to be honest with you. You know, I don't understand it. If Deck was 45 days, uh, then the worst way, the worst case, that should have been the same for, uh, you know, for uh, um, for White. I mean, it should have. That's what it should have been. But. Um, you know, he, he, when he got knocked out, he was not cold. He got, he was given oxygen. I don't think so much. You know, the idea of the, the idea of the, you know, there's being suspended. They're not in the gym. They're not sparring. They're not training. Quite rightly so. They've been concussed. Uh, well, you know, he got stopped on his seat deck, but you know, in, in, in his way, he was concussed. So I don't, get, I don't get what the rush is to get back into the ring. You know, if somebody's knocked out badly, then, I, then, then you would think they would take a little bit more time out to recover from that. That's what, you know, that, that's my only sort of observation on it. Whether they, you know, all fighters want to fight. All fighters want to fight. They'd fight every day if they could. That's the mentality they've got. But there are t times when guys get hurt or get injured that, um, they they need, in my opinion, they need some. They need protecting from themselves, and and the people around them should be looking at that and thinking to themselves, is it is it right to be putting them in so quickly? Because obviously, you know, he's see, he's seeing out his ban, his suspension, then he's only going to have a short time training, and you know, it, it, it involves again heavy sparring and so forth. So for me. Um, you know, I, me personally, I wouldn't be pushing a guy in that quickly. Coming off of such a bad knockout. Just to stick around that day, obviously the day before we saw Umar Sadiq out in um, Russia, challenging Fedor Trudinov, he gave a brilliant account of himself, just fell short. What does this mean for Umar on the back of that performance? He took it on such short notice as well. Is the expectation that we should see him in fights of the same calibre, maybe obviously just with a proper camp behind him? Well, he needs a good rest now. I mean, it was a tough fight. It was, you know, it was, as you say, 12 rounds, 12 tough rounds. He did give a great account of himself. He, he was, you know, the fact he got, you know, I think it's more exhaustion than anything at the, uh, in that last round where he got clipped. But uh, he needs a good rest. You know, he spent, a, he spent um, a bit of time in hospital out there under observation. And he'll come back now. And, uh, we, you know, there's no rush to get him out. He'll want to get out. He'll want to be out like all fighters, as I said earlier. He'll want to be out straight away, but he needs a, he needs a bit of rest. And obviously, uh, the ball he'll, he'll have his medical checkups, and before he gets back in the ring, obviously the doctors will look at look at um, at the scans and so forth, see how he is. Moving forwards to this week, Frank. Obviously, you got the Taylor Kong song fight headlining your bill at your call. Beneath that, Charlie Edwards' first fight at bantamweight against Carl Williams. What are you expecting to see from Carl, uh, from Charlie? Sorry, especially with it being his first fight, two weights up from his uh, original past weight. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad he's. Uh, I'm glad to add a you know former world champion on our roster. You know, he's a super little fighter. Um, what does it mean for him? Look, he, he needs a run out. He needs a run out, and he might need another one before we can get him into a white world title fight. Obviously, we all don't know what's going on at the moment. I mean, the government uh, made these, basically saying that uh, uh, they're not going to let the even the test events now go go forward for uh, for live audiences. So we don't, you know, we're 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 all a little bit in no man's land. All we can do at the moment is do the best we can for the fighters and for the fans. With we're basically having our hands tied. But obviously, it's paramount that um, the medical aspects and the safety aspects of everyone, while this uh, COVID situation is going on, is uh, is 
is looked after. So we will do the best we can to get them get them into a world title fight as soon as uh, as soon as possible. And you know, and to be honest, for him in a world title fight, it probably it will need a live audience. Frank, just touch on you mentioned the kind of a, the government restrictions that are, co- are coming out or talked about coming out. They're, they're going to cancel the return of the testing events. We've seen they're bringing in curfews and that for you know, restaurants and what have you once again. Um, but just with the testing events, how damaging is that for the sport in your eyes? It's damaging for all sport. I mean, you know, everybody, everyone has moved forward. Um, coming back, giving, you know, getting events on, in whatever sport it is, they've all done that on the basis. We all thought by net by, by sort of the end of this month, early next month, we'd be able to be getting some, some bums on seats. That obviously can't happen now. So we're all very, very concerned. We're very, you know, it's, it, it, it's, 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 it's really, you know, testing times for all sports, certainly for boxing. And, you know, we're lucky we've got the cushion, you know, Matram are the same, and I think MTK have got some TV shows. The cushion of getting a TV revenue helps. However, you know, the small hall shows that have, you know, rely on their gates, they don't have TV coverage, they rely on that. So there's guys now not getting work and not be working. A lot of amateurs who are not fighting at the moment because there's no amateur boxing on. So are these guys going to continue or are they going to go and do something else? And that's the worry. Are we gonna, I hope we don't lose a generation of, the, of new young fighters and fighters who just started off in the game who basically rely on it for their living and are not be able to work at the moment. So it's, this, you know, this is, these are really, it's, it's, it's tough for everybody in every walk of life. But for boxing at the moment, it's you know these these are going to be. I think we're going. We, I think we're going to go through a tougher, tougher situation now. There's something I was about to ask you. Do you what? What do you feel? You know, when you look at it from from your perspective, what do you think the long-standing impacts and effects could be of the pandemic and the certain lot restrictions and what have you that the government are bringing into place? Whether that be the, the small hall shows kind of taking a real step back for a few years or be losing certain amateur fighters who might not have the same interest in the sport. What do you feel the long-standing, long-standing impacts will be? Well, they already cancelled the Olympics this year, haven't they? Postponed them till next year. And I, I don't think until they get, and if they get a vaccine, I don't see it, well, there won't be any large gatherings. That's for sure. They're obviously, obviously the more people are mixing with each other, socially mixing with each other, it's obviously... Um, causing more problems, you know. We've seen the rise, the, the, the rates of um, infections, uh, day on a daily basis rising. Not just in this country; it's in nearly every country, even countries who, you know, when they did the first lockdown, countries like New Zealand and so forth, and really contained it. They're, they're I mean, they're, they're they're closing down certain areas. So it's, you know, it's a very difficult times, and maybe this is going to be the situation for the next. I mean, they're talking today, the government, we're talking about the next six months, maybe six months or longer. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea because, and I don't think, by the way, anybody knows. It just changes on a daily basis. One minute you've got to go out, let's all get back to work. So you want to try and get the country moving. The next minute, look, if you can work from home, stay at home. And I don't think, I don't think, you can't blame, I don't blame the government for that. I just think that they're relying, obviously, on advice from scientists. And scientists are telling them, telling them what, what they feel is the best way to handle this. The end of the day, the only way to handle it is to get a vaccine. And until we get that, I think we're all in a state of flux. One thought which seems to have been affected by it a lot, and you've been asked about it quite a fair bit over these past six, seven months, is Dubois Joyce. Given Daniel's age and given how old Joe is, they've both got those aspirations to go on to challenge for world titles. But in Joe's case, being a bit older, Given the current circumstances, and I know how you've wanted to try and get fans in to watch that fight, uh, to get the gate receipts in, but do you feel that there is a chance we might not see that fight now? No, I'm, I'm hoping we will see it. I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to have to sit down, depending what, I mean, the Prime Minister tonight is going to make it a statement. We're trying to find out. We've been working and speaking with the, uh, you know, with, with government department regarding this and the Boxing Board of Control. Um, depending on where we are and what happens over the next couple of days, I think we'll all be sitting there, sitting around the table and we've got to make some decisions. You know, as to is the fight going to happen this year or not? They're decisions we have to make. 
and the fighters. And for things like that to happen, you've got to look at the financially how it stacks up. What is the cut-off point in your own mind to try to make Dubois Joyce in kind of a time period? In my own mind, um, I haven't got it in my own mind, to be quite honest, because, as I say, it keeps changing. There's no, there's no point me saying, right, you know, if this is not done by November the 10th, for example, then we're going to pull the plug on it. Because who knows, maybe November the 11th, they say we'd have live audiences back. So we've just got... I think our, our cut-off point for everything is probably by, be around Christmas time. That's where we're, that's where we're going to be. Could it happen behind closed doors, Frank? I wouldn't want it to, for obvious reasons. I wouldn't want that to happen. I think the fight deserves a real live audience. I think I think that I think you'll even get more out of fighters. You know, it's like um, we had that show. Um, when was it? Um, a couple of weeks ago. Was it? Was it a couple of weeks ago now? And we had that great fight in there with uh, Denzel and uh, and with Mark. And that fight was a great fight to watch. But what a what a fantastic fight it would have been if there had been a live audience there. Can you imagine that atmosphere? And that's that's what, what, what I feel very sorry for the fighters. I mean, obviously there's a financial aspect of it, but I feel sorry for the fighters because that would even bring more out of it and you'd get, you know, you'd get more into it. I mean, it was great fights and then, you know, the guys, all the guys getting in the ring moment are doing a fantastic job to be doing what they're doing and they're fighting in these, and fighting in these environments. I mean, they're, they're doing fantastic. And I'll take the hat off to them because, you know, for, and, and you look again, some of the home fighters, as we call them, you know, some of the bad fighters that we look after, uh, you know, they're not fighting, they're not, they're not in, uh, they're not the home fighters anymore. They're just in neutral venues, which is going to be quite interesting on Saturday, I think, with uh, Josh and uh, Appenon's fight. Just moving forwards, Frank, just to stick with the heavyweights, though. Um, obviously, once again, we're waiting to hear something about Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, their, their third bout, their trilogy bout. Um, a lot of rumours coming out about venues, outdoor venues in, in Vegas now. When, what kind of, where does the land lie with the fight, Frank? Do you think we will see it before the year's out? Uh, Tyson wants to be in the ring before the year's out, and we're all we're moving heaven and earth between us all to try and make it happen. We're you know, in discussions in various territories, um, but everybody's affected the same as we are in the UK, where this virus is causing all sorts of problems. So no one can guarantee anything at the moment. Why do you feel that Deontay has been kind of quiet on you? We haven't really seen him coming out over social media or what have you. We've seen Tyson very active, um, seen yourself, Bob Aaron, but certainly haven't really seen much of Deontay. Why, why do you believe that is? Well, he's got a contract for the fight. That's all he cares about. And I'm sure once, once we get this situation sorted out with a venue and a date, I think, you, I think you'll find it be very vociferous. You've said that um, you're obviously looking towards the venues and what have you. Again, is there a cut-off point in your own mind for it? Well, the cut-off point is the end of the year, isn't it? You know, we've got to get it on. That's what we're all working towards. You know, we're working at the moment. I think the, the working date is the 19th of December. You mentioned Tyson will or he wants to be out regardless by the end of the year. If the Wilder fight doesn't happen for whatever reason, what names are you guys considering? Because it seems to be that all the heavyweights around the world are all kind of signed to different promoters. Well, we're not even looking at any names at the moment. We're focusing at the moment on Deontay. And just moving forwards, Frank, um, Jack Cattrall mandatory uh, with Jose Ramirez at WBO Total. Can you update me on that and where things stand? Uh, there's, there's supposed to be a purse bid. Um, I think it was supposed to be this week. It's been pushed back because of the virus, the WBO pushed it back. Um, we've asked them to, uh, to um, that, you know, we want to get it on uh, sooner rather than later because we're willing to put the fight on over here. So we, we want to get that fight on. And Jack desperately wants it. You know, he, he allowed, you know, as a mandatory challenger, he allowed um, Ramirez to go for another fight. So now it's Jack's turn and he's, he wants his fight. Jack's been mandatory for quite a while now. It seems to have been forever for Jack to have been mandatory. What do you make of his kind of his career and this kind this step up now to world level? Do you feel like he, he's this is his time and it is his chance to become a world champion, his best chance? 
Well, look, we could he could keep having tick over fights, but I don't think that gets the best out of him. And I think what will get the best out of Jack is a massive challenge, and Ramirez is a massive challenge. So I want to see him in the ring with him. I think he's I think he can beat him. So we want to get the fight on. And then a final thing from me, Frank. I'm sure everybody's asked you about it previously. Um, Eddie Hearn, any updates for us on the meeting? We saw an article about TalkSport and a few others put out that, that, that he said that he'd like to meet up with you by the end of this month. Any update? Not at the moment. Hey, how, much are you, how are you looking forward to it, Frank? Oh, I'm ready. I don't sleep at night. It's all I think about. Frank, I will leave you now and I'll leave you to enjoy the rest of your day. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you. And Thank I'll you, you, young man. Thank you, You speak. look after yourself. back on Behind the Gloves with another interview. I'm joined by the one and only Frank Warren. Frank, how have you been, man? How, how's things? I'm good for it. How are you, mate? Not too bad. Keeping, uh, keeping up with everything that's going on, obviously. Uh, but exciting times. It's fight week. Uh, we've got a brilliant card coming up. Josh Taylor, obviously, main event against Kongson. Kongson's not a very um, known opponent to many, but a very dangerous one. He's got a brilliant KO ratio. Um, just, just explain to the people why this could be a dangerous Josh, uh, uh, fight for Josh even. Well, originally, Top Rank won the purse bid for this fight. And, you, yeah. and the intention was Josh was going to fight. We were going to put the fight on up in Scotland yeah. before the lockdown. And unfortunately, as we all know, that got postponed. So now, now we are, we're, we're doing it, as you know, on Saturday uh, in the studio. Yeah. Um, he's got a record of 16-0. and 0. He's not 13 of those guys that opponents that he's very awkward he's tall gangly good puncher and he's quite he moves well he's not going to have massive names on his record but what he's you know he's done what he's had to do with his opponents since there's a same stopping 13 of them there is no home advantage for josh now yeah you know this guy's not going into the lion's den now what he's doing he's just going into a neutral venue so that's going to be interesting because what i've noticed that you know over all the shows is how competitive the opponents have been when they're not in, you know, when, you know, where they're, they're not going into a, that type of environment, a hostile environment, you know, where, where the guys, the home fighters fans are all there cheering and they're against him. So it's going to be quite interesting. And I think, I think it's going to be a good fight. I think Josh is going to have a, a real, you know, a real um, tough fight for this guy. They're both 16 and 0. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're evenly matched. And he's got nothing to lose. He's coming over here and, and, and it, honestly, it could change his life. So he's going to sure. throw everything that he can. Yeah, I remember years and years ago bringing a, a guy over from Thailand, Sachid Ladrun, who stopped Charlie Magri. And uh, a lot of people fancied Magri at the time to win the fight. So, you know, th- th- this is, this is going to be a good fight. And, you know, Josh is the superb fighter. You know, he's, he's, he holds those three belts. I mean, he is something that's special. Um, I don't think he's got the accolades he should have had. Yeah. But it's going to all come to him now. And obviously, this, this, this will give him a good, he'll get good exposure on BT for this one. Charlie, obviously, uh, Charlie Edwards featuring on the card. Uh, got a good, good little fight, tough fight. But what's the 12 month sort of plan for him? Obviously, former world champion, defended his belts before. Uh, where's his head at? Because obviously, a lot of fans don't even know what, what weight class he's going to you know, eventually stay at. Um, what have you heard from him and, and what's the latest? Well, he's fighting at bantamweight at the moment, and uh, we'll see what happens afterwards. But the objective is to get him into a world title fight again. You know, he's a former world champion, undefeated world champion, and won a t- world title when he, very early in his career. Yeah. So we want to get him back, on, back in there, uh, get that opportunity for him. So we've got to work very hard to make it happen. Obviously, with what's going on with COVID and lockdowns and so forth, that makes it a little bit difficult. But we will you know, hopefully come through this fight and get some rust again out of his system on the... Uh, Saturday, and we can start looking at the, the future. You got both brothers now under the stable. A um, bit more of a of, of noise to be made with the Edwards brothers together now under the same promotional uh, table, obviously. Absolutely, and we're delighted. You know, Sonny. I'm, I'm a big fan of Sonny, as you you probably know. Um, he's a he's a superb fighter, and he's working hard. We're working hard to get him into a shot for the world title. Yeah, we actually had some conversations this week regarding that. 
Okay, fair enough. Um, I just want to take your thoughts on a few things. Obviously, you've been around the game. You've experienced all sorts. You've seen all sorts. Um, but obviously, there's loads of situations going on in boxing right now. One of them being the um, zone putting on certain shows and, and, and not putting on certain shows. We've got Canelo Alvarez, you know, who arguably is the biggest name and face in boxing at the moment, not getting a date yet, uh, which is surprising. You'd think he'd have a date uh, already by now, post-lockdown. Um, they're having shows with like Chavez Senior as the main event. Um, obviously, uh, before we've seen, obviously, the, the YouTubers fight as well. Are they just trying to be different? Or with your experience in the game, do you see this as the beginning of the end for DAZN? Um, well, obviously, as far as, um, as far as Alvarez is concerned, he's suing them. Yeah. Uh, and I think he, he issued the proceedings in the wrong jurisdiction. So they're redoing that. So I understand redoing that. That's a problem for him because he's the, he's, the, he's the biggest name, as you quite rightly said. At the time, he was the guy who was delivering, before he went to the zone, he was doing average, averaging a million buys on pay-per-view, $100 a pop. Yeah. Um, he, he, he was their man. So he's very unhappy. That's why he's suing them. Um, the, the two YouTubers, you know, good luck to the fellas. They've gone and earned a few quid. I don't blame them for doing that. But I don't look at that and think, you know, the business we're in as boxing would one of those guys win a win an area title i don't think so mm. at the moment they may prove me wrong but i don't i take my hat on from for getting fit and well and going in there and doing it but mm. you know it is what it is and as for chavez at 58 years of age i think it's, I think it's terrible yeah. i'm really i'm against all this i don't like it you know these guys at the same time. what concerns me they're not they're not being like they're not being sanctioned by any governing body no governing body has sanctioned these guys yeah. but what the problem is is if any, God forbid anything goes wrong, everybody are blamed boxing. Yeah. And, and, and that is what, what is so sad about it. Yeah. And I think it's wrong that these fellas are doing this anyway. You know, boxing is a young man's game. There's been a few exceptions over the years, but, you know, 58 years of age and living in a life that someone lived like, you know, Mike Tyson, for example. Yeah. It's not like he's a, you know, he's been in tip-top condition his whole life and looked after himself. I mean, he, it, you know, he weren't in condition when he was fighting in the yeah. latter part of his career. This is all wrong. It, interesting, I just want to ask you this as well. How do you turn away someone like that? Like, say if Mike Tyson approached you, for example, to promote that fight, or, or if the organisation approached you, how do you sort of deal with that? And how do you tell them, look, I don't agree with it? That's what you do. Yeah. Straight up, just no. That's it, isn't it? You're either in or you're out, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, you look at you look at some of the things over the years, and look look at it, you look at the, the dangers involved. Only last, you know, you had, you know, Umar was in hospital after that fight in Russia. Yeah, and he's, you know, you're looking at that. That this a dangerous business. This boxing's a dangerous business. You see, Dillian White get knocked out taking oxygen. It's a dangerous business. Funnily enough, you mentioned the. They're, they're, they're young guys, you know. They're young guys. They're not not in their late fifties. Yeah. You mentioned the YouTubers not winning an area title, but they can make a good penny off it. I don't know if you've heard about the whole thing with Floyd coming back again. I know he's always making noise about coming back, but apparently he may be fighting Logan Paul, who is the 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 guy that lost in the YouTube fight, um, who is zero and one professionally in an exhibition bout. Your reactions to that? It's what it is. It's a circus. You know, Floyd's a very, very sh astute and shrewd promoter as well yeah. as a boxer. Yeah. He's done brilliant for himself. You know, do what he's done. And, you know, he's been in the, was it, oh, in, I think in over the last, I'm not sure the exact amount, 10 or 12 years, he's been in the, the Forbes highest earning athletes. Yeah. And I think probably about five or six of those years, he topped it. So he's been in there. And you don't do that if you haven't got a good good business brain. Why wouldn't he fight Logan Paul? You know, everyone will buy into it. They'll watch it. And they'll watch him knock Logan Paul out. Fair enough. Uh, moving on to real heavyweight. Yeah, moving on to real heavyweight boxing. Um, Michelle spoke to Tyson Fury this gone weekend. And uh, interestingly enough, obviously, we spoke about their potential super fight, Joshua, as you do. Um, Tyson said something that caught my eye. He was talking about not like caring about the undisputed title. He told Joshua to go and vacate the WBO, let Usyk and, and whoever fight for it and come and fight uh, Fury. As a promoter, you know, the, even though that is a super fight, the title of it to be undisputed surely is, is something huge. 
what was your sort of thoughts to that of him saying, you know, he's not really bothered about having it undisputed? Well, obviously, it'd be great to have that label, the four belts on the line, two Brits fighting for the four belts. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? Yeah. But if it gets in the way that the fighters have to have mandatories and that stops the fight from happening, then let the two guys fight each other because that's what people want to see. The pe everybody, what's the fight that everybody wants to see? It's Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua. They don't see anything else. That's the, that's the one that they all care about. That's the one they all, they all have. You know, it, it, it just take over. I mean, can you imagine that fight happens, certainly in this country, you know, you won't be reading about anything else. All you'll be doing is reading about that fight and watching it on the news. It's, it'll be mega and it's huge. And, uh, you know, when, again, people don't, people don't buy a ticket or pay-per-view to look at a belt. They buy it to see the two guys. You know, we're very, we, you know, we work with organisations. We work very, as you know, we, we, we lean a lot towards the WBO as well and and they and, and it's fantastic you know what, what the organizations do mm. i think there's too many of them by the way but they, it's great what they do but having said that this fight should happen the problem that the organizations have is being sued by guys who are in mandatory positions yeah that's the problem they have so if it comes to you know an organization is going to be sued by the guy who's in the mandatory position that could stop the big fight from happening then to me would you do you? You vacate the belt. Yeah. Have you obviously? I know that you and Eddie are meant to go out for this meal sooner or later. Is that something you're going to potentially say? Look, yeah, uh, Joshua is still young. He could he could end up winning the undisputed title in the future. But let's get this fight made. Seen as though we're finally having uh, lunch together as well. Well, I hope we are soon because uh, I'm running out of those Red Cross packages. I'm starving. <laughs> Um, fair enough. Tyson also mentioned uh, about the possible possibility of Usyk and Joshua fighting, and he thinks that Usyk would, you know, win the fight comfortably. Um, just your thoughts on that fight, if it did happen, how do you see it playing out? Uh, look, look, Usyk uh, fought, was it Chaz Witherspoon? Yes, he did, yeah. Yeah, that was his, his fight, wasn't it? I think it went about seven rounds. Uh, what did I think of that? Chaz Witherspoon was there after seven rounds. I mean, he come up, he's come up, he's 30, about 33 years of age yeah. um, from cruiserweight. I think that was his first fight at heavyweight, wasn't it? So I believe. Uh, Usyk's first fight at heavyweight, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, look, he's a great addition to the scene. Um, him, and, him and AJ, I think anybody, anybody who fights AJ, will, all they're going to focus on is what happened in New York against Andy Ruiz. They can see there's a chink in the armour and they'll go to exploit it. Think about Usyk, he's got fast hands, he's, you know, he's, got good foot, he's got good footwork. If he gets there, it could happen. So that's why I don't want any of those things to happen. I just want him and Tyson in the ring. Yeah. That's all I want to say. Because I believe that Tyson will beat him. So you know, though we're talking about Usyk as well, moving up to heavyweight, there was talks of a possible new division, <clears throat> which adds more belts to the whole collection of, of things. A possible uh, super cruiserweight division to sort of barrier down the differences in weight between cruiserweight and heavyweight. With everything we've got going on now, with the amount of weight divisions already, the amount of belts that we've got to fight for, um, well, not us, but, you know, the fighters, um, do, do you think it's, it makes sense to have another division added in? Look, Deontay Wilder's a 15 and a half stone heavyweight. That's yeah. what he weighs, yeah. And he's ruled for, what, six, until Tyson was in there, he ruled for six years. Yeah. People would call him a small, small heavyweight these days. You know, Mike Tyson uh, was not a was not a heavy guy in his early, you know when he, in his early days. Um, I mean, Ali wasn't his early. Days. He grew into a bigger guy. Obviously, he got older. Look at David Hay coming up from cruiserweight to heavyweight and managed to fight uh, win a title no, and fight, fight an even bigger guy. Yeah. In uh, What's his Valiant. name? The Beast from the East. Value. Yeah. Value. His name was, yeah. The Beast from the East. I mean, he was like, he'd give away about a foot in height, didn't he? Plus yeah. all the weight and so forth. You look at uh, Amanda Holyfield, came up and was a brilliant heavyweight. I don't, I, I don't particularly feel the need for another division. I can see why they would say, you know, why, why some fighters it would suit, because obviously if they're not, if they're, cruiserweights and they're not going to be big heavyweights mm. then maybe they you know that's that's their that's the reason for it but i i don't feel that that 
is a, um, I don't think that's needed. That's the reason cruiserweight come into being. It used to be light heavyweight and heavyweight. Yeah. We brought cruiserweight in to bridge that gap. I mean, we don't want to bring in another super cruiserweight. I mean, where does it stop? Yeah, true. Fair enough. Uh, and finally, just if you could round us up how you're looking to end off the year. Um, obviously, we've got a few months more coming in. Exciting fight this weekend as well. But what can we expect towards the end of the year? We're going to announce another four or five dates. Hopefully get them out this week. We've been working, we hope to do it last week. We're working on them with, with some of our big names. So I think it's, you know, we've got some good shows coming up, which I think the fans are going to be delighted with. Have you heard anything about like possible funds back into arenas? I know today, I think this morning, they announced they can't do that in a club. Uh, anything? It's, looking, it's, looking, it's looking very unlikely at the moment, isn't it? I mean, yeah. there's a peak. Uh, you know, we're getting peaks again with the uh, infection. Um, so it's a, it's a worry. So the you know I, I I don't see for the foreseeable future that we'll be getting um, any bums on seats in, in venues. So we've got to cut our cloth accordingly and, and promote our, you know put shows together and promote them as best we can and try to try and keep giving the gut some of the guys work. Yeah. Well, Frank, I always appreciate your time. Thank you for uh, the interview today. Hopefully, we'll catch up after your meal with Eddie, so we can find out all the the good details. That will be said. In, I'm wondering like a skeleton by the time you do that. <laughs> Hopefully sooner rather than later. And don't forget on Saturday, a couple of good fighters on the card. George, George Davey, Ethan Jones, two good little fighters. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time and uh, we'll speak soon. Cheers, mate.